0: You are listening to the Dark Depths podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, give us a five star rating wherever you listen to our show, or just tell a friend. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though, our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the Lord of Darkness himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm okay. hot. How are you? I'm <laughs> doing okay. Uh, definitely. I'm actually in the warmest room, room of my house, but it is actually still a good temperature in here for now, at least. Uh, I know it's been kind of crazy the last couple days here.
1: Hasn't? I I
0: don't know. I haven't actually paid attention. Was it raining yesterday? I mean, this, it was raining yesterday, but it was, I'm trying to think, like 70s, like high 70s on, uh, over the weekend. So I was with uh, Rowan, I, alone with Rowan over the weekend. Uh, Raleigh was at her grandparents' house, and Ariel was away at a, at a bachelorette party. So I was alone with Rowan and we were like, oh, I'll take the dog out with her. And I was like, nah, we're going back inside. This is terrible for babies. (laughs) So uh, I at least remember that being pretty hot. Fair, fair. Uh, So what have you been up to since the last week?
1: Um, Not much. I finally finished getting my basement all situated. Um, And then I, I started, I have to do this like at least once a year I should do it more often, but just, like, kind of tuning up all my instruments, um, you know, mm-hmm. replacing all the strings and just uh, showing some love to some instruments I haven't seen play in a while. I, for those who don't know, I have, I can't remember what the number is, but somewhere around 20 instruments sitting in my house. Um, so I <laughs> I don't pay attention to all of them as much as I should.
0: Mm-hmm. I think with that number, unless you're like actively involved in like a, a a group or like some kind of ensemble, like I think it's hard to give twenty different instruments the the attention they need. Yeah, I
1: mean, it makes me feel bad. I'm a bad, I'm a bad uh, instrument owner. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, you know, with like the duplicates. Sometimes it's kind of hard. Like I've got an acoustic electric guitar that I mainly play, but then it's like, okay, well, I've also got my acoustic guitar, and it's like, well, I I never play this because I just play the acoustic electric. I realized uh, I should actually just plan to donate it somewhere, Um, Mm. but that probably just means I'll buy a nicer guitar, and then we'll have the same problem.
0: (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I mean, it it just feels like it's hard to, I don't know, giving, giving away instruments like that, especially once you've had them for a decent amount of time, it feels like giving away... Like a pet or something, uh, like that, which is the guitar like, sucks. I'm not
1: really particularly no. attached to it.
0: Okay, so giving away a bad pet then? Yeah. With that, <laughs> I don't actually have. I don't know. I I have. I have a I have a acoustic guitar that like is not in the greatest shape, but I I it's my only one at least, so I, I still have it around, even though I probably should have gotten rid of it by now.
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I should have gotten rid of this guitar ages ago. I just like don't play it, um, and I just survived multiple moves, because I'm like, why would I get rid of it? But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's time for it to go. If you need, uh, if you need someone to fix up yours, I'm uh, I'm in instrument repairing territory right now, so...
0: <laughs> now for yeah. Okay, maybe, I'll, maybe I will take you up on that. It definitely can't hurt. Um, yeah, I've definitely tried to repair it myself and like honestly like me trying to replace the strings is just like a nightmare it takes a lot longer than it should so and I don't the strings on that guitar have been changed in like four years at this point that's so. disgusting and you should <laughs> they're
1: supposed to get changed uh, like kind of minimum of like every three months
0: well the issue is I, I really haven't played it in three years I'm going to say at a, at a minimum. Like, I, I didn't play it during the pandemic at all. I, I haven't played it since before Raleigh was born. So, it's at least been two years. Okay. Past that, it's, it's hard Yeah, to it's help.
1: probably just time for it to go.
0: Probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, did I mention to you that I built a new CEDH deck? Did that come up? Uh, I mean, I saw you talking about it on Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah, I took the Faldorn, the Dire Wolf something Herald, I think. Um, cards are really sweet. Um, it's basically, I guess if, you, if, if the people at home haven't seen this yet, we're not, we're, maybe we'll talk about previous, who knows, but um, not really today. We're not talking about them at, at length by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's one of the face Commanders. It's uh, a red, a white, uh, sorry, a red, a green, and one for a 3 3 human druid. Um, whenever you cast a spell from exile or a land enters the battlefield under your control from exile, you create a choo choo green wolf creature token. Uh, pay one, tap, discard a card. You get to exile the top card of your library, and you can play that uh, play it this turn. So, like, it's I've been like playing with it. It basically just like, auto combos with food chain because you just get to like loop through a uh, food chain with uh, Squeezy Immortal or Eternal Scour- Scourge and make infinite 2-2 two, two wolves, which is pretty sweet. Um, and then, like, I'm playing, like, uh, Perforo, so you can kill them with that. i uh, playing Walking Ballista, because I'm a monster, and, like, making infinite mana to cast Walking Ballista, which is, like, in my DNA at this point. Um, and then, like, I also have a bunch of tutors, so I can, like, get, like, Dockside Extortionist with... Um, team or sabertooth and like combo out like that but uh, it was it's been fun I like that's bit I've been doing the past like week obviously I have gotten some a lot of modern leagues in but you know trying to flesh out the deck I got to work with uh, a couple you know prominent CDh content creators uh, moderately MCG I was on his stream uh, a couple weeks ago um, so and then also working with uh, mall lock um and they had a lot of really good ideas so you know honestly just working with them has been really cool uh, trying to type up a primer now so it's it definitely been an interesting building experience so i've heard that the word is actually primer that can't be right that sounds that, sounds that was awesome. kind
1: of my reaction um i've heard that enough times that like you know, the first time you hear something, you're like, oh, like, haha, it's a joke. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard it enough times, and occasionally from people I, like, respect and trust enough that I think it might be true, but I'm also never going to call it that. It's clearly Primer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, that's... I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of when we we're talking about, like, Dread horror, like, Arcanist or Arcanist. It's, like, it's, it's one of the two of them. It's Arcanist. And it honestly... Okay, but like, if it's regardless of which one it is, it's like it's fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not upset about the result of either one of those. Like, it, that does not matter to me. But like, primer actually bothers me for some reason. <laughs> it feels so, like, so far off. Yeah, I um, one day I should find
1: out like what is actually the truth. But like, I also feel like I don't care because it was primer in my head for you know, like. 10 years or something before <laughs> before it was brought to my attention yeah. that I could possibly be incorrect
0: yeah, it just it, that that one is already just there for now forever like that's the same thing with like you know people were like oh it's Goruk, not Garrick it's like I, I don't care it's too late <laughs> that, that ship has sailed so. all right well uh, do you want to talk about a little bit magic then I love magic all right, well, let's talk about the NRG series. Uh, pretty cool event. I mean, overall, like, it's a team event 10K in Minneapolis, Minneapolis which I still need to go to Minneapolis at some point. That's definitely on my bucket list. Uh, but try to get, like, Lowstone Games and hang out there. But that's, that's a whole other story, I guess. But um, the team event, for those who did not know, uh, was teams of three uh, constructed of a legacy player, a modern player, and a pioneer player. Um, and as a result, we ended up getting a lot, a lot of decks. And once again, if for those who are unfamiliar with team tournaments, it's very difficult to parse out specifics. Um, for example, what was the best performing deck? How did um, you know each deck do in each format? Um, did, you know, what person actually went undefeated? Obviously, just becoming a team merges a lot of these numbers together and blurs a lot of lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty there, but we're kind of we're going to at least look at decks that did perform well uh, overall. Uh, the winning team uh, was combination of a blue-white control list in Legacy, um, our, what we normally talk about, like the Days Undoing deck. Uh, we saw Living End in Modern, and then we also saw Blue-Red prowess, uh, I guess probably the best name for it in Pioneer. Uh, we're obviously not a big Pioneer podcast, so we're not going to uh, talk about that too much. But, uh, I guess, well, is it a surprise to you Living End winning the um, being the, the top Modern Duck here?
1: I mean, not really. I feel like the past couple of weeks we've been talking about how good Living End is. right? It just continues to put yeah. up these kind of dominant results, um, yeah, good deck is good, played by a good player, yeah. made good results. It's like kind of a pretty simple recipe.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, blue, And I think the Days doing deck being in the top slot too is also not super shocking for people who have been paying attention to Legacy.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm still pretty convinced that this build is bad. Uh, but it, again, it's not like over the top. Over-the-top egregious. I I just, like, I don't think the day's undoing is where you want to be. But it's not Mm -hmm. the worst thing. And, uh, you know, it was played by Zach Allen, who's obviously a very strong control mage, So not super surprising to see him do well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I did like the uh, second-place team. Uh, They were playing, I think, something that's a little bit more in line with what I would have expected to... To win this, and obviously they got second, so it's not shocking. Um, Blue or Delver in Legacy, uh, nothing super spicy there, like we don't see any Ledger Shredders, um, there's no um, one of Brazen Bar, just a pretty stock list overall. Um, four Color Yorian Blink, which I think is a really super powerful deck we're seeing now, uh, well, you know, seeing, um, and then also Mono Red Aggro in. In Pioneer, which I, you know, for anyone who does play any Pioneer, I think the Mono Red deck is is very good in that format for what it's worth. Yeah. Uh, the what's that? Go ahead. I was gonna say
1: this is also not super surprising. These decks are all very good. Uh, this team is very good. If you have been paying attention to team events at all, you'll know that uh, Andrew Allen Bogan's team has been in the top eight of basically every team event that has happened since uh, since events have started up again. Uh, and playing this configuration and all of them, so you know this is like the least shocking
0: result possible. Yeah, I think and I think this kind of speaks to it too. I think in team events, you can just put literally in this. It makes sense, right? You put the three best players um, you can on your team. They played the best matches that they can, and more often than not, you're you know, three people who win 60% of their matches are just going to win a lot of their matches over the course of a weekend. Like, these team events really do bring the best teams to the top and allows you to convert, you know, individual performances into a really high chance to make the elimination rounds. So, I don't think we necessarily need to go
1: through all the lists, but I do think it's worth pointing out that, like, is not Merktide and elementals were just very overrepresented in the top performing decks here
0: mm-hmm. yeah you see i'm uh, trying to make a quick look here um blue red murktide uh was what one, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, uh seven so almost half of the top eight uh, had blue red merkite as their modern deck of choice, and uh, this is, I think, the deck that, if you've been playing Magical Online at all recently, uh, Ledger Shredder has really shown up and become a major part of the format. In this deck, I think specifically um, having Ledger Shredder as a two of to kind of supplement your flying attack, I think, has been really really potent.
1: Yeah, Ledger Shredder has been very impressive to me from what I've seen. I don't like I. I don't remember hearing much about it during preview season, but that could just be because I don't pay much attention to preview season. But I, ever since I first saw this card in a deck, it's just been like absurd in both modern and legacy.
0: I mean, honestly, I've been I've been watching um, Justin Gennari play Ledger Shredder builds in in vintage, and the card still is very impressive there. Um. I got to play against somebody who was, I think, it might have been Spike, it might have been Doomwake, but one of them was playing a deck that was playing Ledger Shredder in uh, Shell. So they were just, like, going and discarding, uh, was it uh, Daredevil, and then making a bunch of tokens with uh, Academy Manufacturer and going down that route. But, like, you know, they are just crushing me in card advantage. Um, I think the number of engines you can build with Ledger Shredder is really, really high. Yeah, so... I've, I've seen it in that
1: deck. It looks really impressive there. I, um... At FNM last week, I played against my friend Dan, and he was playing Ledger Shredder with a Currency Converter. Um, oh, okay. I think that's what the card's called. And uh, yeah. Punishing Fire. And... That was uh, was a lot of card advantage. Stack looked really sweet.
0: Uh, For those who don't remember uh, Currency Converter, uh, it's a one-mana artifact. Uh, Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. Uh, You can pay two and tap it to draw a card and then discard a card. And you can also tap to put a card exiled with currency, convert it into your graveyard. If it's a land, you create a treasure token. If it's a non-land card, you create a 2-2 black rogue creature token. So that's a lot of advantage, uh, advantage on that card as well. Yeah, the... You know, I've actually been kind of surprised. I... I have seen a couple list with it, but I was really expecting to see more of the Underworld Breach deck with Ledger Shredder. That I I felt like it was going to be a good fit for it. So
1: I know Jesse Robkin, who kind of put that deck on the map, more or less, at one of the previous uh, Star City events. Um, I know she played in the Modern event on Sunday uh, with two copies in her 75, and she tweeted about the deck being very impressive. Uh, she didn't quite uh, manage to top eight, but... Do you believe she still put up a strong performance? I think finished somewhere around twentieth place. If memory serves. Yep,
0: twentieth place. Twentieth exactly. Man, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I I like the it's playing one ledger shredder. Um, the deck is basically unchanged past that, um, but there are two more ledger shredders in the sideboard, which I'm assuming is just when you know your opponent brings in the the graveyard hate, having a a, a threat that is not dependent on your graveyard being stocked I think is a is a good call
1: yeah I'm definitely very excited to try this card out in there I'm, I mean I'm excited to play with this card in general uh, there's just so much you can do with it I'm still picturing like discarding Uro to it and then bringing that back off oh, the value
0: <laughs> yeah I mean like I could definitely see that like I've seen I people discard Croxa, which I think is really sweet. In modern, um, I I do wonder. I maybe it's too cute. I wonder how many shells you could have that like involve like yeah, dredging or something like that. Like that be that could be cool. I really like dredging though, so <laughs> I might be a little biased there. Yeah, I.
1: I mean, you could try it. It's probably not the worst thing in the world. Uh, my concern would be, I, I feel like in Dredge, you don't really necessarily cast that many spells. Uh,
0: yeah, I guess not, not a ton after a certain point. Yeah, after a certain point. Yeah, that's definitely one of the ones, I think, Blue-Red Mercide, like with the Letter Shredder, definitely a really popular deck here in the, in the event. Um, another one that's been very popular is Four-Color Elementals, too.
1: Yeah, the elemental deck is really good, um, which is not news, right? Like I feel like this is something we've known for a while. Um, I think Mm -hmm. there's some amount of tension, I guess. I I don't know how to refer to it, so I'm gonna go with tension on figuring out when it's a good choice for the weekend. Like sometimes people play this version, sometimes they play kind of what I think of as the more stock four color. Uh, control version and the decks have a lot of overlap, but it seems like sometimes one's better, sometimes the other's better. So, I really don't know how players quite figure that out. But I guess this was the weekend for elementals, which for my money is the more fun of the two decks. And it definitely it definitely put up its numbers,
0: yeah. And that, do make for what it's worth, also, I think one the. Event on I believe it was Saturday, um, playing this deck and the Modern Challenge, and something I saw in his build that I'm seeing in the fourth place deck. I'm seeing in the um, in some other lists as well is the addition of Obsidian Charmall. Not a card I expected to see in a main deck, but it's pop. It's popping up, and I guess eating all the artifacts it can. Peter, do you sure to make one? Um, I, I think you mean demonic me shooters. shooters. Oh, the demonic shooters. Okay, the so demonic shooters one on Saturday. Let me see. Yeah, demonic shooters one on Saturday. Yeah, sorry, I was watching Doom Wake before you <laughs> before we started uh, recording. Um, the demonic shooters one. Yeah, playing. This deck, and once again, the the one copy of Obsidian Charmall uh, in the deck, I think, seems, it, in my mind, seems out of place, but it, it it seems really good every time I see it being cast.
1: Yeah, the card's very good. Um, I still, this is such a small thing, but I really wish the art on it was different. Uh, the wings are, I know they're on the card, but they're kind of hidden. And the first time I played against this card in paper, I didn't realize it flew. And I just uh, threw away my flyer. And yes, I should probably learn how to read. But also, if a card has has flying, it should look like it flies.
0: I mean, that's fair. I agree with that. Uh, Yeah, the number of cards in which I've attacked into blindly. And then be like, oh, that's not what I thought was going to (laughs) happen. It's it's very high, so I, I definitely feel your pain there. Yeah, it's
1: just um, um, but like I know we're not an an art podcast, but like really, just just look at this card. Like the wings are there, but the body is so dark, and then the wings are so light. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's like coming out of a the steam of a volcano or something like that. So it's, it's kind of hard to see. I I definitely feel that cool art though. Just just makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, I mean, this deck is really powerful. Uh, The one thing I'm, I don't want to say confused about, but surprised to see, is the fact that Titania thinks it kind of slid back into list after it was gone for a while.
1: So, I have played this deck, and the Titania was really good for me. Um, I don't know if you know this, five threes are big. They
0: are, yeah. It's true.
1: I just think sometimes you... You need to go over the top, and you need to do it immediately. The deck's good at going over the top of people in general. Uh, Prism Reef is very good at accomplishing that, especially when combined with Yorian. But the Titania really helps, too, especially like in games where you're flooding out. Uh, you know, Renin6 Ren- makes it very easy to flood, and I think there's just a number of games where you end with a bunch of patch lands in play. And when you're able to, like, Eladomri's Call for, uh, for Titania and then you just, like, crack four or five fetch lands, like, the game just ends on the spot more often than not.
0: Yeah, and I think if, like, the, I guess, interaction that I always forget, in my mind, Titania is a human, and it makes, you know, 5-3 tree folk, but is an elemental, and she makes elementals, so, like, there's a lot of synergy you get along, uh playing that alongside the Risen Reefs, like, and the number of times where, you know, you have Risen Reef in play, you play Titania, that triggers Risen Reef, you get a land, and then it's a fetch land, and then you, Titania gets back her own fetch land, and then you crack, like, it is really easy to put, you know, 15 power on the board um, over a full turn cycle, which, is, like you said, that that's going to close out a game pretty quickly. I really like this card, in general. Well, it's a, it's a card you've played with for a while, right? Yeah. Like a different
1: path. I have played it Nickfit. I have played, uh, played it in a deck that just like tried to find um, Zorinorb with Urza Saga. Okay. And then you just kind of went nuts. Uh, if you remember the Primeval Titan Stompy decks that were kind of popping up uh, probably about three or four years ago. God. That makes me feel old, um, you know. plenty a copy in there—it was just a very good bridge. Something that when you only had six mana, you could green sun zenith for.
0: Good times. So yeah, this is, yeah. I mean, it's a, it definitely is a mm-hmm. interesting deck. And like, yeah, I, I forgot about that green white deck. That was sweet. Um, played like knight and reclaimer too, right? Um, so
1: I'm talking about. The deck that I didn't like playing the white. I know Kellen moved on to the white builds. I was never a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't love Flamer in the deck, actually. I'm trying to think of what all was in it. Ancient Tombs, Exploration, I think I put like two or three Malk Simons, um, Chalice of the Voids, Dryad of the Elysian Groves, Titania, One Courser, Primeval Titans. It was more or less the deck.
0: Okay. It sounds like there's probably like a couple of Valakuts in there too, and like maybe Field of the Dead. Yeah. Man, I might just have to run it through a league. just bring back uh bring back good memories. Not a bad idea. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean that was once again, without going too far down the rabbit hole there, there that is basically the things we kind of saw from the Nrg 10k. I, I was like playing in these events, but once again, it is hard to really get any any meaningful data outside of you know, what decks are popular um, in in the modern seed or Legacy seat or whatever. And you know, like kind of like you expect, there's a lot of a decent amount of blue red Delver. There's a lot of actually eight cast in Legacy, um, which I, I know has been decreasing in popularity and performance over the past couple. Weeks, months at this point. So, I kind of not shocked to see it, but you you kind of mentioned this before too. Like the deck is cheap enough to build in paper that people are going to build it if they're not if they don't own a a legacy deck themselves. That that's one that they could very easily borrow or get the rest of the pieces from without um, over overspending. So, I guess it's not surprising to see a cast make a resurgence on a paper event.
1: I also think it's slightly better in paper than it is online um and this sounds really dumb i i don't think the metagames are that different i know some people talk about how drastically different paper is versus online but lately it Mm. seems like that is less and less true but one of the things is i think online is still going to be a slightly tougher competition than in paper Uh, and you know, obviously that's not going to be true 100% of the time, and, you know, you're going to see some of the same players in both, uh, but I think online, a lot of the Delver players have started figuring out how to beat 8-cast, and I imagine that some mm. of the people in paper who might not get as much practice and as many reps in are still kind of a little shaky in that matchup, uh, and don't necessarily know all the sideboarding tricks and whatnot. Like, I've heard a lot of the Delver players board out days in that matchup, which is not something i think i personally would have considered doing um and i think you know people not knowing how to play that matchup if you have somebody who's not confident from the delver side the acast player is going to crush it whereas online you're starting to see acast lose that matchup and i think that's a big difference that would make acast very good in these events
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely a, a huge advantage. Um, and, you know, I think I, I do think it's one of the big edges you do get in these team events. Like, there's always a format that people don't play as much as they probably should. And I think in this one you get two, just because I think Pioneer has been picking up steam, but not quite as popular, I think, as modern, not only remotely close. Um, and Legacy, obviously, being a format that, for some people, especially in paper, is inaccessible, you definitely do... Get rewarded if you have someone who is very well known uh, for playing the legacy format. So that's a that's a huge plus. Like, and once again, the winning team had Zach Allen, who is no slouch in in any format, but you know, definitely knows his way around a Force of Will. Yeah. You know,
1: I have to say. So we talked a little bit about his control deck. I don't know if you saw. I played Mm -hmm. control this weekend, actually, in the challenge.
0: Oh no, I didn't.
1: Yeah. so uh, um, Matthew Vuk top aided the Saturday challenge playing just high control. so I just kind of copied his list. Um, he's been playing modest, yeah, monastery mentor and uh, I just love that card. <laughs> I missed playing with it. So I wanted to try it out. But notably he's dropped the days in doing. and you know, I haven't played a lot with the days in doing. But every time I play with it, it feels really bad. Anytime you draw it without having like the Narset and the Whole preacher out, it feels really bad. Whole breacher has felt not great when it just like gets lightning bolts of left and right or Pyroblasted without any kind of real value. Um, but this this build felt very good. I didn't get quite the result I would have liked. Part of that was uh, part of that was definitely user
0: error. Okay, so just a quick glance. I mean, you it still ended up top thirty-two. It actually ended up one one spot higher than Vok in the uh, in the challenge on Sunday, which is I think funny. Um, but looking at the list, uh, two Snapcaster Mage's, three Mentors. I love I love Monastery Mentor. That's that's one of the cards I feel like I I have I have a playset of and I never get to play with them and I, I really feel like I should great card um one palith jailer was that good for you palith
1: jailer was actually very good um there was one time where it was i really needed it and it was kind of hard to cast because i think the mana in this needed a little bit of work um previously he had had two planes in the deck and he cut one for a prismatic fista and i think that was a terrible change because i frequently found myself wanting the second planes um Okay. So, it was, you know, kind of rough when it was difficult to cast. Uh, it was really the only double white card, so you're not built to need a lot of white mana. But honestly, just being able to have Prismatic Ending and Swords to Plowshares available in the same turn would have frequently been nice. Um, but yeah, the Palace jeller was really good. I was able to tag some Merc Tides with it, and that felt great. Uh, okay. This deck actually felt very good against Delver, which... I have been saying on the cast before that I felt like Just Sky Control had not been good against Delver, but this build felt very good. I lost to it one time out of the three
0: times I played against it,
1: but I lost in three games, and honestly, I flooded out super hard at the end.
0: Hmm. Did you get to live the dream and Palace Jailer bounced it with your Teferi and Palace Jailer something else? I did
1: not get to do that.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I got
1: to I got to pick up my Snapcaster Mage just a couple times, so that felt really good.
0: Oh, that feels great! I <laughs> love it. So much card advantage. Um, yeah, and that, was it the one card I saw that was interesting to me at least was Fire Ice. So what is Fire Ice doing in this deck? Yeah,
1: Fire Ice is interesting. Um, so I know a couple people were looking for bridge cards. I think this was actually Jeff White's idea originally, not uh, Matthews. But basically, you think about how control has been built a lot of times. They've often had that two-drop uh, Baleful Strix, or they've had Ice Fang, Waddle, or just something to do on turn two. And this deck doesn't really have anything. So mm-hmm. Fire and Ice is interesting because you can just, if you're on the play and like your opponent maybe casts a turn one Ponder or whatever, you can just Ice their land so that they don't have they don't necessarily have as effective as a turn 2 and that kind of bridges you to turn 3 which is when your deck really starts functioning you can do things like play Narset or your Teferi um, the other thing is being able to pick off threats from Delfer you know, Dragon's Rage Channeler is not always, but sometimes a 1-1 I will say, it was very scary because uh, there was, I think twice I cast Fire targeting a Dragon's Rage Channeler when they had 3 types in their yard and I was just like please don't have like, like please don't brainstorm in a delirium please don't brainstorm in a delirium um, <laughs> Can you imagine just having your skull essentially countered like that
0: i've done that uh-huh. to people
1: that's that's, that's the thing yeah, that just sounds so brutal um mm-hmm. but so you know being able to tag those threats uh being able to tag a Delver before or after it flipped. And there was times when people would actually wait and play two threats in one turn. I think they were trying to, like, overload my removal. And it usually backfired, because mm. I was like, I will fire and kill your Dragon through a Channeler and your Delver. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, so good. So the card was fine. Uh, also, having removal with that pitch to force a was kind of neat. Overall, mm. I wasn't That's a good point. impressed by the card, but it wasn't, like actively terrible you know like i didn't draw it and go oh god what is this doing here but it was never like oh yeah i really want to draw fire ice here the other thing that was interesting about the deck too was only playing one to fairy and i actually really liked that yeah um i think people so uh, people are super high on to fairy and the card is obviously very good but Whenever I see it versus Delver, it just doesn't feel quite good enough. Uh, being able to bounce a murktide region is kind of nuts and gross, but it just feels like if the Delver player has done kind of what they want to do and gone like Turn One Dragons Rage Channeler or Turn One Delver and then Turn Two played a second threat, this to just feels really bad. So not being overloaded on it felt nice and i i've watched plenty of games where people were like here's my teferi minus bounce your thing up oh, my teferi's dead here's another one bounce your thing and yep. they're just not really progressing themselves so it was nice to be able to play it occasionally have it be good but never get clogged on it
0: uh, the sideboard also is just filled with the i mean i think it's some of the cards i Makes sense to me. Like, I'm not surprised to see a Pyroblast, Red Elemental Blast, Surgical Attraction makes sense, Force Negation. Um, I do like the, is it Staticasters, and the one Kozilek Return, though. That's that's an interesting card. I don't often see Kozilek Return in Legacy.
1: Yeah, I, I knew you'd like those in Staticasters. I know that's always been uh, kind of a pet card of yours. Uh, mm-hmm. The Kozilek Returns are really good against Death and Taxes because of Mother of Ruins. Hmm. And I imagine that's really the main reason they're
0: there. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, like, I think it also helps clean up a lot of the... <laughs> I don't know if nonsense is the right word, but it does clean up a lot of the, the stuff you see out of, like, elves, right? It cleans up a lot of stuff you see out of... I don't know if you're necessarily one at first. Um, 8-cast, necessarily? Like, I, I think you're bringing in the Meltdowns and the Pyroblast and real Elemental Blast, so maybe that's not coming in there, but... At least it would clean up the the thopter tokens there if that's something you're interested in doing. But you're you're probably right. It is probably more for those uh, tribal situations or, you know death attacks.
1: yeah, it overlaps against tribal. But I do think if it was just for tribal decks, you wouldn't play Cozland's Return. You can just play Pyroclasm and it would cost one less, and I think that would be better for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think being able to get around specifically mother is just so good yeah for sure but yeah I, re- I really liked playing this deck I will definitely play it again I know like I said I didn't have the best finish in the world but I really uh, I, I lost a round because I tried to cast fire and I ended up casting ice and I lost on the spot oh gosh <laughs> yeah so who knows where the tournament would have went from there
0: well, it's annoying, too, because, like, if you... I guess if you're only planning on targeting one creature, like, it's really hard to tell what, <laughs> which which side you cast. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, I, I screwed up. Um, and, you yeah, know, I've been punished by this before, and I should learn. Um, sometimes I click the mana before I cast... before I, like, I click the spell that I want to cast. You should always take the spell yeah. first, because if something's wrong, then, like, the interface will kind of alert you. But it was like, okay, you...
0: <laughs> Targeting this. Tempt a red and a blue. Yeah. Yeah. If you yeah. Otherwise, you see like you have to pay one blue and you have to pay a colorless. And like oh, I don't want to do that. I want to pay a red and a colorless. Like oh, you should you should not cast. Well,
1: not card even card. that. When like when I went to Target, it would have been like okay, do you, like do you want to put one or two damage here. I would have been like, or mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't have asked that. I would have moved straight to like okay, do you want to pay? How do you want to pay for this? I would have been like. I need to distribute my
0: damage. Mm, yeah. Oh man. Uh, that felt really bad. A little magical. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, I definitely that's definitely an interesting deck. I mean, like, I would say I've been even playing so much of the green white deck and doing well with it. So it's actually cool to see you kind of branch out into something that you you know, isn't exactly another, you know, green light deck. Again,
1: I can, I, can play, I can play a variety of decks. I mean, my result kind of says I can't, but
0: <laughs> I, uh, I swear I can. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people, like, tend not to believe people when they say that, just because, like, I can. I mean, you never you never see it, but it does happen. We are. But like, you know, I we we talked about this last week, but like X J has been playing like the the Red Stompy deck and which I, I think he was trying to call it like Red Cadillac or like beep beep blood moon or beep beep crazy. stompy, I don't know, but Beep beep Stompy. Oh jeez, awful. <laughs> um but yeah, though so, but like, you know, seeing him be like, you know what? I'm gonna put down the, the Thalia's. My mom's gonna stay at home and I'm gonna bring out the rabble. Like, that, I think that that's cool. Uh, it's good to kind of be diverse in, in deck choice from time to time.
1: Yeah. It's definitely it's definitely good to get a break. And the Dress Guy deck was a lot of fun. I had a hard time deciding what I wanted to play. There was a lot of thoughts. I was thinking about playing model Black Depths, because that deck looks kind of cool. Okay. And then I was thinking about Painter, just because you know, if you know me, you know Painter is one of my favorite archetypes. But... <sighs> There's just so many meltdowns and scenes of innocence around.
0: Well, there was a, I don't know if you saw this, but there was a painter list that got second in the Sunday. That is who I misclicked against. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) no.
1: Yeah. So I think we were 3-0 at the time.
0: Okay. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Duck looks cool. I didn't realize they had added a twin shot sniper to the, to the list
1: pretty sick against Delver.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't remember, I think we talked about this actually when the set came out. Um, it's a 4 mana, 3 in a red for a 2-3 with reach. Uh, when it enters the battlefield it deals 2 damage to any target. Um, I don't know how often it gets cast like that. Uh, I, think, I think it's something you could definitely you know, Goblin Welder into play repeatedly, which I think is really cool. Um, but the thing I think that's really neat about it is you can pay a Red and one, and discard it to deal two damage to any target. So it's an encounterable way to, to kill a, you know, unfull or, you know, undelirious dragon reach channeler or a delver of any flavor. So, uh, but I do like the idea of being able to weld it in and out and just keep dealing two to stuff. Like, that seems really nice, especially if you're trying, like trying to hide behind like an ensnaring bridge.
1: Man, I love this back
0: sweet deck uh, okay uh, well yeah you is there anything else you want to talk about as far as these tournaments are concerned and know we kind of jumped from NRG to um, challenges but yeah it's my we, fault. I still <laughs> want to have I have a beef I want to bring out with you oh my god <laughs> So, for those who don't know, we like I mentioned before, we're not going to talk about everything because there's a lot of a lot of stuff we, we honestly just don't want to talk about. Um, not it's just not interesting to us everything. Um, but the one card that has divided this podcast, this happy home, into a uh, I don't I don't know what to say. I don't know what to call it. It's misery. I mean, disgust. I mean, like it, it's been it's been hard. Um, is the card Sailor's Bane, which I, I don't know if, I think it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know where to start with this thing. Um, for those at home, it Sailor's Bane, seven and two blue for a dragon turtle. Um, this spell costs one less for each card, uh, for each card that is an instant, sorcery, or adventure that is in your graveyard or exile. Um, and it has Ward four. So it's a say 9 mana, 7, 7 with ward 4. Cost 1 less for each. Um, instant, sorcery, and adventure in exile. A lot of stuff there. The question is, is this good? It's like, the question of, is this cake? Except for, there's a lot of different things that are cake. And this feels like it has to be kind of black or white, but I don't think that's true necessarily and i think you're very firmly on one side of the fence here oh yeah i'm
1: very firm um i don't think this card is good uh and i'm surprised that people have even been really talking about it i started seeing the twitter buzz and people getting upset about it this morning as i'm sure you also saw and was very confused by it and then as we were trying to figure out, okay, what do we want to talk about today? You told me there are five legacy playable cards in the set. Uh, because you suggested a preview show, which longtime listeners will know that I hate. Um mm-hmm. and you're like, well, there's I was like, there's no way I'm doing a preview show for like this set that is not even real. And, you know, you mentioned the five legacy playable cards. I was like, I don't believe you. And you shook you showed me what you thought they were. And you know, one of them, I think, may or may not be playable. And the other four, I think, are poop. And this is definitely one of the poop. <laughs> so, on, on the good side, I will so, say the type line Dragon Turtle is really cool.
0: It, it's very uh, Avatar The Last Airbender to me. Where, like, they, they did not need to make a dragon and a turtle, but they chose to do that for us, and I, I appreciate that.
1: The fact that it is blue means it can't pitch to Force of Will, so I think it's got that going for it. It can also pitch Mm -hmm. to Force of Negation, so
0: two good things going for it. I feel like you're being facetious here, but, like, it actually does have really good synergy with those, too, because it costs one less for each instant or sorcery that's in the Graveyard or Exile. So whenever you cast Force of Will and pitch a Brainstorm, or Force of Negation and pitch a Ponder, that's reducing the cost of this by two. Yes. Which is, uh, which is interesting. Um.
1: Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't think this card is good, though. So,
0: so, okay. why, why do you think the card is good? Okay, so, as far as things are concerned, right, talking about other benefits, uh, Ward 4, 9 times out of 10, is hexproof, And I, I, think we kind of see that with Kappa Cannoneer. where there's a lot of times where it's like, I can, I can definitely kill that. I, I can't ever pay the ward cost, though. But, like, once I can, like, there's a good chance that, like, you just never get the ability to actually deal with that. Um, also, the fact that it's can come down so quickly, like, it's really easy for you to have that. And by the time they do get to five mana, uh, whether it's a Pyroblast or that's a source to Plowshare, right? Like, you can very easily have your own... Uh, force of will, or you have the days to pay, so they have to pay the extra one, and now it's protected again. I think that's really relevant. Um, the thing that I think is also really impressive, uh, impressive about it, um, and we kind of saw with some of these other cards, too, um, is the fact that it does not care about the graveyard being intact, right? So, one of the issues with something like Angler that we're seeing is that you can't play Angler and play, um... Merktide region, right? Merktide region is going to eat all the cards. You don't have enough food. You can't have that many delve spells in the deck. Even the second Murktide is sometimes difficult to cast because you don't have that many more cards to fill your graveyard with. So with Sailor's Bane, you actually don't care where those cards are, right? They can be in the graveyard. That's great. Or they can be in exile. And Sailor's Bane is still going to have that cost being reduced. As long as it's not shuffled back into your library by something like Endurance, for example, um, you're fine. Endurance is just going to be good versus all these graveyard cards in general. I think we, everyone just has to be okay with that. But with uh, Sailor's Bane, you can you know, cast the Merktide, get all the instants and sorceries out you want, make it a you know, five or you know, eight eight, and then still Sailor's Bane is still going to cost five less, which I think is fantastic. Um, and that also means that Sailor Bane can come down in multiples a lot easier than something like Merktide is. And once again, I uh, and I talked about this a little earlier. I am in no way saying that Sailor's Bane is better than Merktide Region. That's that's ludicrous. I think Merktide Region has shown it's the best flyer probably printed in the last decade. So we're not gonna I'm not saying that at all. So let's keep that keep that out of my mouth. But uh, with Sailor's Bane it is a good supplemental creature, right? It's the it can fill that slot of the 13th or 14th creature in your deck. Um, and it's something that doesn't care about the graveyard, just like we're seeing with Ledger Shredder, which is in some decks, not in others. We're seeing a lot in Modern, but not as much in in Legacy. Um, Sailor's Bane is something that you can actually play, and you don't really care if your opponent has a Rest in Peace or has a Ley Line of the Void, because regardless of where those cards go, your ponders, your brainstorms, they're still going to end up in exile and reducing the cost here, which I think is is really relevant. So this is just something I think that people should keep at least an open mind about. Um, Is it going to be insane? No, maybe not. But like, it's at least in that tier, I think above Gurmag Angler, which I think everyone's kind of agreed at this point is not playable. I don't think it's legacy playable anymore, especially with Teferi Time Raveler. Um, I think if you can you know, pay two or three mana and your opponent can't actually bounce this back to your hand with Teferi or with uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor? Like, like I think that's something you need to at least keep in mind as being a powerful option for you.
1: So, I think there are a couple things. Uh, So, first I'll address the Ward 4. Ward 4 is obviously very strong. I don't think anyone would say it's not. And, like, I think all the text on this card is strong. I just don't think it adds up to a card that we want to play in Legacy. But uh, so addressing specifically the ward four, I don't think it's actually fair to compare it to the ward four in Capricanonir. And that might sound dumb because you know, obviously it's literally the same words. Um, but <laughs> I think part of Capricanonir being so strong is not only do you typically have to get through the ward four, you also generally have to like do it with something that's getting through Chalice. Um, I think that's relevant because most of the time you're going to be trying to target this with like a Pirate Blast or sorts of Plowshares, which are generally going to be countered by Chalice, so kind of two things you have to break through. Um, but I do think it is not unrealistic for people to get to five mana in games.
0: Yeah, and five mana is definitely not un- unbeatable. And I think, to your credit too, Captain Cannonier is going to come down on turn two, realistically, or turn three it, with a, a slower hand. Like, Sailor's Bane is not going to come out. We we kind of we talked about this in the, before, too. Like, you can construct scenarios where Sailor Bane, I think, comes down on turn three, right? I think turn three is not absurd. But I think more, more re- realistically, you're going to see this coming down on turn 5. You know, I think in a, in a normal game, you have some ponders, you have some brainstorms, you have some lightning bolts, you have the expressive iteration, you can't cast that one-fourth of will that stays in exile, and, you know, now you've got a Sailor's Bane for, for 2 mana. But I think that's fine, right? Like, if you are, you know, worried about the speed of it, like, I think... Capacannon here, obviously, the Ward 4, like you said, is much better. Um, If, you know, your opponent, it actually is just has Hexproof for the first three turns that's in play. Sailor's Bane is very often not going to have straight-up Hexproof. It's just going to be very expensive to kill, which I think is still fine. But um, it still does eliminate those... The lines where people express a variation into Pyroblast. Now I'm gonna Pyroblast your creature. It still eliminates the. I'm gonna cast a fairy and bounce it. Like, I, I think that still is is good and worthwhile. But you're right. The the word for on these two cards, even though they both say literally the same thing, they are very different. Um, the Capricanian here is is definitely more powerful of a word for here. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so you also mentioned it being slower than than Mercuri Regent, which I think is a huge knock. Um, and obviously I understand the card can come down just as fast as Merc in theory, right? Uh, it is... Pl- I don't want to say plausible, but it is possible that the card can come down on turn two. Um, somebody could have turn one, end of turn, on Scour, flip over to ensensor sorceries, uh, force a will your spell, force negation your spell, untap, mm. land Sailor's Bane and i mean in yeah. that magical Chrysalis land, the cards were better uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. better than murktide there but i i yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't think that's usually what's what's happening i do think this card is coming down slower like you said and then once it's come down since it's coming down in a slower game it's going to be way less impactful because i think a huge part of Murktide Regent being so good is the fact that it flew Um, And that's not me saying that Murktide Regent would be a bad card if it didn't fly. It would still be, like, good, but, like, it wouldn't be the problem that it is now. you can theoretically have creatures that are bigger than it, and you can block it. Like, I know cards like Young Pyromancer uh, and Mentor don't see a ton of play, but those... You know, if we get to a world where this card is good, those are cards you could play and you could theoretically have chump blockers that kind of buy you time until you can answer this. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, that still puts your opponent on the losing foot, but it doesn't just close the game. Um, yeah. And I just don't think that that's enough. Like, I think if you want if you're looking at something that's coming down that slow and you're You want that protection. Like, I'm not convinced that this is any better than True Name Nemesis is. And honestly, like I understand seven power is more than three power, but in terms of that race, I think the true name is gonna be just as effective because they can't ever block it. Um, I think there's gonna be times where you're like awkwardly looking at this card and don't quite have the spells to cast it and it kind of incentivizes you to cast your spells that you might be better off holding. Um, mm-hmm. It's awkward because this card will come down fastest, I feel like, in the combo matchups because that's where you're like burning your counter spells off. Um, mm-hmm. But like in like in those matchups, I, I guess it's maybe if it comes down and is bigger than Merkite, it's better there. But like, uh, I don't know. Like I just don't think this card. In a world where you play against a lot of fair decks is going to do anything and i think
0: mm-hmm. you
1: don't want more copies of this kind of slow clunky card in your tempo deck like sure
0: yeah I can see that. like
1: this is not me saying hey you know you're going to put this card in a play and your opponent's going to laugh at you like that's not going to happen there's they're not going to be happy to see this card on the table that's no no one's ever going to watch you play this and be like oh whew, I thought it was going to be something scary. Like, that's not realistic. <laughs> um, but I just don't think that this card is good. Um, and I do think, you know, there does hit a world where maybe people are targeting Delver more. They're playing things like Rest in Peace and Lay Light of the Void. And then the stack of this card goes up. But I think if that's the world we're living in, where you have to be worried about your graveyard constantly being attacked, you're probably off. You're probably better off just switching attacks. Um Or, again, just playing True Name Nemesis. Like, nothing. Mm. (laughs) Like, I feel like that was this card that was so good, and then it just kind of fell off. Nothing answers it. (laughs) I mean, like, people don't Mm. even play council's Judgment anymore. There's, like, one copy in Death and Taxes sideboard now, I think, and generally none in Control. Like, that card fell off almost exclusively because of Merc Tide Regent. So I think that is still a playable thing to be doing. Um I don't know. And this might sound dumb. I think I would almost be more excited about this card too if it didn't get pyroblasted on the stack. That's probably just dumb.
0: But yeah, I mean, yeah. If it if this was a the same card but red, uh, I think it's infinitely harder. Oh yeah, to I, it would need to cost Except one red. red. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think, I think if it's going to cast double of one color, that makes sense with the text it has. It needs to be blue, but yeah, I mean, like, the fact that it's not, that it does get targeted by Pyroblast and and elemental Blast is definitely not as appealing as I would like, but once again, I just think a lot, I guess for better or worse, this seems really weird. It's weird to say this sentence, but I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, The best aggressive threats you get in a lot of colors just happen to be blue right now. So... You just have to be okay with it being blue, I feel like. I think that it being blue is actually what keeps it from being unrealistic. Like, I think if this card was, like, green, for example... I think it should be green, honestly. I think this card card should be blue-green. I I feel like it's a nightmare to play against, though. Uh,
1: That doesn't really change it at all. Right? It just literally just makes it it harder to cast. And based off the text on the card, I honestly just think it should be green it's a turtle turtles are green
0: well i'm I'm just saying it was was double green i I think it's hard it's much harder to deal with yeah being blue green i think yeah you're right makes it harder to cast but being just straight green would make it very hard to to interact um
1: one thing i will say about it is seven is a relevant number because of unholy heat so it does have that going for it not that unholy heat is the most played Mm -hmm. card in the world right now that's, that's, that's actually cool. a really frustrating thing to me about Wizards' design right now. I feel like they constantly do this thing where they print a card that's an answer, and then they're like, how can we print a threat that is not affected by the answer? Uh, they did yeah. the same thing with Elko, they did the same thing with Ren and Six. It's like, hey, we have cards that deal three damage, and like, Ren and Six will go up to four loyalty. I'm like, okay. We have, like uh, I can't think of what it was called at the time, but the card that... the
0: Combustor? yeah.
1: It's like you can deal five damage to things, uncounterable. And <laughs> they're like, Booker will go to six. Like, stop doing that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes it when you do that, Frank. <laughs> like, um, yeah. If yeah, that is definitely a, a very annoying design thing. But and once again, maybe this is, maybe we're thinking too uh, spiky about it. I guess. Like, this is also something that you could probably play in like the like the amount blue Delver deck or something like that. Like I could imagine that the slotting into that deck, potentially. Um, so, I don't know. It, it's something that, I, that I'm not... I'm not dismissing it right away. I, I am. Like I, I would at least like to to see how it plays before I throw it in the trash bin. Um, and honestly, it might it might not be as good as... Let's say... You know, obviously it's not going to be as good as Murktide, right? It, it might not be better than Brazen Bar, or it might not be better than... Uh, even... Terramander, right? But, like, Terramander was playable for a while. Um, and, like, you know, it's, this is definitely better than Grimag Angler. So, if that's kind of where I'm in between, like, you know, Sprite Dragon, for example, like, if it's as good as Sprite Dragon, it, it might be at least be a one of. Like, I think that's at least worth investigating. Well, I guess, you know, now that we're talking about Commander Letters, let's just dig into the whole thing. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Nope. Well, in that case, I think we should probably just start packing our bags and out of here. Uh, maps and where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and Twitch. Where
1: can people find
0: you? You can find me at Bad Luck Bandit on Twitter. If you're interested in finding the show at all, we are at Depth Underscore Podcast on Twitter. We do have a bunch of links in our link tree on our twitter page so if you do want to support our patreon or our youtube channel or you know any anything any of those fun things um the links to that are on twitter so just check that out all right uh, i guess i'll see you next week see you next week all right bye